Hey, everybody. Welcome to another uh, installment of our, our Elevate Generosity and Stewardship podcasts. I'm Chris Willard of Elevate Group, and I'm here with my buddy and partner, Greg Morris. Hey, Greg, how are you? Good, Chris. How's it going, buddy? I'm good. Thank you. We're very excited about our guest, and I'll be introducing you in just a few minutes to Cam Triggs, and we're going to have a great conversation with him. But just so that for those of you that may not know what we do or who we are at Elevate Group, we're, we're really just trying to help churches and uh, ministries um, fund the vision and accomplish the work that God has called them to accomplish by, by calling their people up to a higher level of engagement. And we believe that when you call people up to that higher level of engagement, you really do elevate the resources that are needed to do the work of the ministry. So we work with church planners. We work with large churches. We work with single site places. We work with multi-site churches. We'd love to help you in any way we can. And if you'd like to get some information about how you can collaborate with us or get some information about how we might be able to serve you, you can check out our website, which is elevategroup.us. And we'll try to put that that link in the chat box for you, elevategroup.us. Okay, good. Now, we've been taking over these last several weeks, we've had some great conversations with some pastors. We talked to Brian Tome, we talked to Larry Osborne, among others. But I am very excited that we have uh, Pastor Cam Triggs joining us uh, this afternoon. I met uh, Pastor Cam, I don't know how many, I guess it's now, golly, it's three or four years ago, I think, maybe longer. And Cam, I think your microphone is muted. So before you start talking, you might want to unmute that. But, And it happened to be, believe it or not, I was in the middle of an exponential conference there in Orlando. And I got this phone call from Cam Triggs, lead pastor at Grace Alive Church in Orlando. And he's saying, hey, could we talk? Because we need to get some stuff done. And we think you might be able to help us. And Cam, it's just been so great to get to know you over the years. Tell us a little bit about, about you. Tell us a little bit about Grace Alive just a little bit of that sort of backstory of being a church planner and getting that, that deal off the ground. Absolutely. Chris, thank you for the invitation and the opportunity. I'm very excited about uh, this time to talk about generosity and church planning and stewardship. Um, uh, so first and foremost, I am uh, the husband to Tamara Triggs. Uh, that is my uh, beautiful wife. She is the one who holds it all together. Um, she is uh, the sugar to my Kool-Aid, um, if you will. And uh, I got two kids, uh, Cam the second, um, as chip off the old block and Karis that is three years old. And uh, they are um, kids that are, uh, you know, tornadoes in training, if you will. Um, and I've uh, been doing a, a number on, on our house during this pandemic and quarantine. Um, and that's our family. Um, I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, native of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you know, things are looking bright in Jaguar land as of now. Come on. Um, excited about what God is doing in, in God's town. Um, and then uh, the reason that I actually ended up planting in Orlando is I transitioned from Jacksonville, Florida uh, to Orlando to go to University of Central Florida, um, studied religious studies there, and then went to Reform Theological Seminary here in Orlando. So spent about six years in Orlando um, to get engaged and to get married. I moved back to Jacksonville and uh, did uh, various things in ministry. I helped with the church plant in, in downtown Jacksonville um, that wanted to be multi-ethnic. I ended up being a youth pastor um, at uh, Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church in downtown uh, Jacksonville and uh, really felt the call to plant after that time. Um, I promised teenagers didn't run me out of youth ministry. 
I promise that to everybody, uh, but really felt a call to the ministry and context of Orlando. P- people know Orlando. Um, a lot of people uh, uh, know Mickey Mouse. They know, uh, you know, it's the happiest place on earth. But um, Jacksonville, in a lot of ways, uh, is the last stop of the Bible Belt. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I tell people, um, you know, it's the capital of Southern Georgia, if you guys don't know. Um, it's not like the rest of Florida. And so uh, my time in Jacksonville was very comfortable, to be quite honest, um, even though I was in youth ministry. And God really began to burden a heart for Orlando. And as we began to think about the context of where I was and the context of um, church planting, uh, come to find out Orlando was the ninth most unchurched region in America, according to Barna and the sixth most de church region in America, mm-hmm. according to Barna, one of the few uh, ch- uh, cities to be on both lists. And so we, we realized the happiest place on earth has a whole only the gospel could feel. And we wanted to come and plant a church specifically in Orlando. And so we went up to North Carolina at Summit Church and did a one-year church planning residency um, with J.D. Greer and his vision to plant a thousand churches and came back to Orlando 2017. And uh, our context, uh, to be quite honest, we're in one of the uh, most under-resourced areas of Orlando. We're in an area called Pine Hills. Um, Sadly, uh, historically, it's had the nickname Crime Hills. Um, But we love the people here. We love the region of the city. Um, We're 10 minutes outside of downtown and uh, uh, we consider ourselves gospel centered and multi-ethnic. And so we're planting a church for all people. And uh, we are very diverse. We have people from African-American community, um, Hispanic community, uh, white community. The Hogwarts community is starting to show up and uh, God's doing a, a mighty work here in Orlando as the gospel goes forward. Yeah. And, you know, Greg, Greg and I were talking about this earlier. You know, Greg, of course, I, Greg, I live in Orlando and maybe some people might know that. But of course, Greg, you've worked with churches all over the country and and, you know, right, that Orlando has had this sort of reputation of being a a tough place to do church and to do church planning. Right. Yeah, it has. Yeah. You know, I I know a little bit about Orlando because you live there. I know. And I do know it has kind of the reputation of being a not always being kind to church planners. It's a tough, it's a tough gig there sometimes. So, but you guys have been successful, Cam. What talk a little bit about what you attribute your success to as you've kind of worked through this process and, and, and found success at advancing the gospel there in Orlando. Um, a lot of swinging in the dark. No, <laughs> uh, to, to be quite honest, I think God has given us favor and blessing um, because we run towards the things that other people may run away from. Um, when we were recruiting people to be on the launch team of our church plant, I uh, used the illustration of an old blockbuster movie, uh, Twister. Um, and I don't know if you guys remember Twister, but it was this ragtag uh, group of people who chased tornadoes of all things. Um, and so they ran towards what everybody else ran away from. And in the last scene, Twister, um, hope this isn't a spoiler, but it's been out for decades. So shame on you at this point. Um, they get caught up in a tornado and they have to tie themselves down in a barn and uh, they get to see what no one else got to see. And they got to release their research and figure out what nobody else got a chance to figure out. And I think that's what's happening here in Orlando. We ran towards a region of the city that other people run away towards uh, from. Uh, We run towards uh, conversations of racial reconciliation that other people may run away from. We run towards um, issues of justice and uh, oppression in a place that where, you know, a lot of people might try to sweep it under the rug because we want the reputation of being Disney World. And find out there was this real felt need of authenticity. Of, of transparency and really gritty ministry that I think has gravitated 
um, a lot of Christians that want to be on mission towards our work. And so that's been a I think uh, if there was a, a subtle way of us seeing a strategy at work that God was blessing, I, I would say it's running towards the hard things that this city desperately needs addressed. Yeah, that's really good. Hey, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Cam Triggs and, and Cam's the lead pastor at Grace Alive Church in Orlando, Florida. Uh, if you want to find out a little bit more about him and about their ministry, you can visit gracealive.church. And um, Cam, it's great to talk to you. And I love that. I love that word picture of, listen, we're going to chain ourselves down to this part of the world. Mm. And we're going to trust that God's going to let us see what other people don't always see mm. and accomplish what other people don't always accomplish. That's right. And, and one of those things I know that has been meaningful for you and rather intentional, you were just talking about, is, is really being a multi-ethnic congregation, a multi-ethnic staff team, mm. a multi-ethnic, right? So mm-hmm. give us, tell us some of the lessons that you've learned in this, in this journey. What are some things that you've, um, you've uncovered or you've discovered as you've been on that journey that you think might be useful for some of the rest of us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think our vantage point is definitely unique as a church plan. I've been in many contexts of churches who have tried to steer a ship that is already a sail um, in these conversations. And, and to be quite honest, that a lot of times that's difficult um, because you have a culture and a mm-hmm. sense of momentum that's already moving in another direction. And you're telling people who are really in that movement we need to turn the corner a little bit. And that's a little bit more difficult for us. I think um, starting as a multi-ethnic church intentionally uh, with that vision that would filter out people who are um, in opposition to it um, and then allow us to make strategic decisions that would be conducive for it has helped us start as a multi-ethnic church. And, and some of the things that uh People need to consider if they are thinking to themselves, how would we do that? Uh, Location is key. Location is very important. Uh, We are in uh, Pine Hills, but we're really at the tip of it. And so we're in a place that is in uh, crossroads for many communities uh, where there's access from anybody in the city who would want to take place. And so if you want to be multi-ethnic, and I think the heart of multi-ethnic ministry is we want to have a church that reflects our community. Mm-hmm. And so we need to strategically think about where we are in our community and how we infiltrate those people. Uh, the second L, I'm a Baptist preacher, so here's another L for you guys. Come on, bro, bring um, it. Is, uh, <laughs> is leadership. Uh, you know, you want to have a multi-ethnic team. Uh, the book of Acts tells us about the church of Antioch. And when we see the church of Antioch, we see people from various pedigree who have the same glorious gospel. And so when we launched, uh, we knew that we would need a diverse team. Uh, I served with the amazing executive pastor, Bradley Norris, who's actually sent with us from uh, Summit Church. And uh, Chris, you've had an opportunity to work with uh, Bradley on several occasions. Phenomenal guy. If you look at us, uh, we would not be natural friends in our world. Different backgrounds. Um, uh, he's a little bit of country. I'm a little bit of a rap. Um, and uh, God put us together uh, because of the beauty of the gospel and it being level foot at the cross. And so having that leadership that reflects um, the heart and, and ministry to infiltrate that location has been a real help for us launching a multi-ethnic church. Yeah, that's really, really good. We got a couple of we got a couple of questions that people have already popped into the uh, the chat box, and I'm going to encourage you if you have any questions for Pastor Cam, we're going to pivot here in just a few minutes and get real focused on talking about generosity and stewardship and some of the lessons that that Cam and his team have learned. But if you have any questions that you'd like for us to address, please put those in, in the chat box, and uh, 
we'd be glad to uh, try to respond to those as well. And also, as you're going through this process and you're sort of listening to what Cam is saying about generosity and stewardship, again, keep in mind that at Elevate Group, if we can help you, we'd be more than happy to do that. And we have a free resource that you can download that's kind of like um, it's sort of six questions that you'll want to talk to your team about. If you're going to try to accelerate and elevate generosity and stewardship and giving in your church, what are the conversations that you need to have? So if we can, we'd love to give you that resource uh, for free. You can check that link in the chat box and go ahead and download that deal. And, and, uh, and, and Cam, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more about kind of you and how you got this deal started. And I know Greg and I were wondering, right, Greg, we were wondering what that experience as a resident was like for you at summit. And cause it's kind of the case that right, Greg, we don't often train pastors very effectively in generosity and stewardship. Do we? No, it's, that's, that kind of gets, uh, kind of gets left out of a lot of pastoral training and especially in seminary places like that, or even in internships and things you, you learn, you learn the, the, the functions of ministry, but all times how to, how to, fund that ministry and how to, how to disciple people into helping you fund that ministry often gets left out. So I know you worked up there and did that, uh, did that deal with JD at summit in Raleigh. And so, and what did you learn during that time, Cam? And what, what, what are some things you learned about how to fund your church plant? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a great time, uh, to really learn about generosity and and even more broadly, uh, stewardship to be quite honest, uh, entering in the program, uh, I would encourage anybody who's dealing with church planting or dealing with, um, you know, church planting movements that uh, Summit does well is they start with your individual stewardship. Um, And I know I've been a part of many assessment processes um, that there are a lot of church plant processes that skip personal finances and and stewardship. Um, And I think that's so key because uh, it kind of goes to that principle in the pastoral epistles. If you can't manage your own household, um, how will you manage the household of God of all places? And I think there is an application to be made for finances. Um, if a pastor doesn't have a mindset of what money is and how it should be stewardship uh, stewarded in their own accounts, um, then there there's maybe issues that could arise in that church because there is a philosophy from home that is trickling down into the church. And so one of the first things they do is to help you assess uh, where you are financially. Are you in a good financial spot to plant the church? Um, are you in a place where you can be stretched financially through this endeavor? And then secondly, uh, when you walk in the door, um, they tell you up front, uh, listen, you're coming to this residency, but there is a portion that is raised by you to do this residency. Mm-hmm. And so from day one, I began raising funds. I know a lot of church planners who want to put this on the back burner and really don't want to do it until uh, the eagle kicks them out the nest, if you will. Um, but to be honest, that gave me a year head start in fundraising because I was already approaching people to let them know this is the route that I'm going towards. This is the dream. This is the vision. It allowed me to have the training wheels of fundraising on at a very early stage that would help me soar down the hill of a church planning neighborhood uh, because they put that as an emphasis in the beginning. So it was a great, great way for us to be introduced into stewardship, but also fundraising. Man, so much of what you just said there is so important. I, I am totally, and I know Greg would agree, not surprised in the least that from J.D. Greer and that church planting 
um, residency that you got some good feedback input on generosity and stewardship, because frankly, I think that's been a hallmark of, of their ministry up there. They have just done a really solid job of discipling people in that area of generosity and stewardship. So that's, that's really encouraging. And gosh, you could not say anything more true than what you said about this issue, that if you're not sort of growing in generosity personally, and if you're not stewarding resources well personally, you're going to have a heck of a hard time teaching that those principles to churches or to your own church as a planter. So, man, that that that's a super smart observation, Cam. And I'm wondering what other kind of advice like that would you have for church planters who are thinking, okay, either I'm getting ready to start or I'm sort of already in it and I'm, I need, you know, I need to be able to make that connection so that we can, we can fund this thing that we believe that God has called us to do. What are some other thoughts that you have lessons that you've learned things that you've done might've even been some things that you wish you hadn't done. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. sorry to bring that up, Cam, but, you know, I love this quote so much. I use it often, but our, our friend Reggie McNeil loves to say that in every church, there are things that are trying to die, but we won't let them. Mm. And sometimes, bro, it's just we got to stop doing stuff that we've been doing. Right. right. So what are just some things that come to your mind when you think about that? Uh, well, you know, if you're starting out, um, you probably can't see it, but I guess it's over my left shoulder. Um, that whole shelf uh, at the top, uh, kind of like next to the top, is all books on generosity. Really? Uh, and uh, the reason I, I think that's important, especially if we're talking to pastors, um, is you have to have a theology that supports the practicality of your your pursuit of stewardship and generosity. And I would say that um, a good percentage of church planters or even pastors who don't finish well in generosity, who um, begin to really flake out in their pursuits, kind of lose steam once everything is is getting stale in reports or they're 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 at the point where they're taught sick of, quote unquote, asking for money um, is because you you don't have a good foundation of the why. And so you have a poor pursuit of the what. Oh, man. Um, and, and I think pa- pastors really have to have that theological foundation uh, of what generosity is and what stewardship is. If you and just to use an example, if you have an idea that you are asking people for their money, it will be tiresome and fatigue will set in immediately. But if you have a theological foundation that says it's not their money, Amen. it's not every good and perfect gift that comes to us comes from the father above. Um, and he is the one who holds all wealth and all possessions. And I'm helping them steward their possessions for the furtherance of the kingdom. That is a dramatic paradigm shift. And I don't care if you're a church planner, a missionary, you're working with young life crew, whatever you may be doing. That paradigm shift is key for you to know, to have the boldness to, to ask people um, to steward God's money well. Um, and so I, I say, if you're starting out with this, um, you know, how you ask, what formats best, telephone, you know, how do I come up with a network of people? What's my perspectives? How should it look like? How much do I put on the web page? How do I break down the, 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 the budget? All those things are great. But if the why is not there, uh, you will lose the pursuit of the what. Bro, I got to ask you just, this is so good. 
Um, and I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you say this because you're, you know, you, I think as a pastor, you, you think, I think theology really matters to you. I think handling and, and dividing rightly the word of God really matters to you. But I'm just curious, give us a couple of titles that are on that shelf of books that were useful to you. And if you need to turn around and look at them, that's oh, fine. Yeah. I don't, you may not be able to see them all, but because I think there's probably some people who are listening to us right now. And by the way, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Cam Triggs, who's the lead pastor at Grace Alive Church in Orlando. That's gracealive.church if you want to get some information. But that thought that you just dropped about, you got to know what you believe before you begin the tactical stuff mm. is so helpful. What mm. are some of those resources that were useful to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's this great book um, by Chris Willard. Uh, and a friend. <laughs> now, I wasn't fishing for that. I guess I have to say, I hope you might mention it. Yeah. I wasn't fishing for that, but thank you for that. That's encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, contagious generosity uh, was a tipping point for us. Um, and uh, that's actually how we were exposed to you, Chris, and ended up reaching out and finding out that you were in our region. Um, I would also say uh, author as uh, Randy Alcorn. Um, yes. He has uh, tremendous resources on wealth and possessions. Um, his smallest introductory uh, work would be the treasure principle um, that I think is a, a great tool, not only for you and your development of theology, but if you need a, a pithy resource to give to members or elders or um, people who are keeping the books at your church, uh, I think that's a phenomenal uh, recommendation to give. Um, and then uh, I think in, in the realm, personally in fundraising, um, The God Ask by uh, Steve Shadrach is, is kind of a, a classic tome and, and really giving you the, the stewardship and philosophy of uh, what it means to raise funds in the kingdom. Oh, that's so good. Really awesome. good stuff. That's good stuff. Hey, so Cam, uh, question, a phrase I use a lot, you know, speed of the leader. I'm talking to church leaders, you know, speed of the leader, speed of the team, team's going to follow the leader. Um, you know, when you think about generous churches, there's, you're, you're always going to find a generous leader. You're going to find, if you find a really a generous church, a healthy, generous church can be a healthy, generous leader in there. Yeah. What have you learned through this journey about leading as a generous church leader? Wow. That's, that's a great question. And uh, th probably this is the point of uh, confession. Are you guys ready for absolution? Bro, uh, <laughs> it's good for the soul, babe. It's good for the soul, Pastor Cam. Uh, confession. You know, my, my, my journey in uh, stewardship and generosity has definitely grown over the years. And I would say the position of leadership has helped me really see um, what you're talking about, Greg, and, and why it's so important. Um, I was a, a youth pastor at a mega church and uh, very great uh, mission. I love what was going on, loved my pastor. Um, and I was uh, very, very, very selfish during that stage. And I guess in the back of my mind was, man, we're a mega church. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. I'm trying to get married. We're trying to make it in our first year. Um, and uh, I had a poor view of stewardship and generosity in my life, uh, to be quite honest. Um, and then all of a sudden, I find myself as a church planter <laughs> asking people to be generous. Um, and I realized I can't lead where I don't go. I cannot lead where I don't go. And, you know, we use that to apply towards morality or prayer or gospel centrality, whatever it may be. And that really does show up in generosity. 
And I'm um, actually working with Greg, uh, Greg uh, Chris, um, and talking to him about generosity and uh, us taking us, our church on a discipleship journey of generosity. Uh, my wife and I made a commitment that we knew we could not fulfill um, by ourselves, to be wow. quite honest. Uh, we were looking at ourselves and like, well, I, I don't know how this is going to happen, but we won't definitely want to lead. And we definitely feel that this is the number from the Lord he's given us. And it was not easy. I'd be uh, another point of transparency that 2020 was a difficult year. Um, some personal losses, family loss. Um, I got in a car accident that totaled our car, um, broke my nose, got in concussion. Um, and then also experienced an apartment fire um, and just uh, setback after setback. Um, and I'm not saying it works out like this all the time, uh, but this is how God typically operates. Um, we are um, looking to, to actually um, beat the number we gave um, for our discipleship journey. And uh, it's been amazing to see God bless us in that manner. And then also speak volumes to our church um, where um, we're not preaching in a way that says give to us and watch what God is going to do. But watch how we give to the Lord. And hopefully you can imitate us as we imitate Christ. Yeah. And that that is, is so good. I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a couple of things. And I want to talk a little bit further about this, uh, that generosity initiative that you all did and what was behind that and what that was like for you. But, you know, there's a, there's a sort of a, there's a school of thought out there and I, I don't want to disparage anybody, but there is a school of thought out there that says, if you do this, if you give in this way, then God will bless you in this way. And there's that sort of quid pro quo kind of um, belief with regard to giving. Mm -hmm. And you are not the first person, my friend, who I have spoken to, who said, we stepped out in faith and trusted the Lord to go all in and give something dramatic. And then the wheels fell off the wagon in our life in mm. other ways. Mm. And you, if your theology is weak or your faith in God is weak, you're mm. thinking, hey, Lord, what in the world? That's not the deal. Right. I'm supposed to get, I do this, you're supposed to do that. And yeah. the blessings that God promises to the generous steward are not always financial, are they, Cam? It's, no, they're not. It's yeah, not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say that goes to definitely what you're talking about is to have a, a view that's anchored in the Bible. And if you look at the Bible, I mean, it tells us over and over again, it's it's better. It's you're, you're more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. And so that's a that's also a, a, a counterintuitive way we think about generosity, whether it's church ministry, nonprofit world, whatever it is. We're always trying to tie those incentives that are material based. But, um, you know, we tell our people and tell ourselves, you know, generosity is something God wants for you, not merely from you. Um, it is a lifestyle that frees us from greed and opens up the floodgates of heaven, heaven in a way that helps us realize more of who he is and realize him as the ultimate treasure in our lives. And if we have the ultimate treasure in our lives, then our grips are, are surely loose with the things that he's already blessed us with so that we can bless others. Yeah, so good. So good. So, Cam, we talked earlier about how we first connected, and it was because you and Pastor Bradley and your team were where you guys were believing God for that next kind of jump, right, in the growth of your church plant. Yeah. And you were going to acquire a significant space in sort of a, a strip mall shopping center on a great main street. It was yeah. going to be awesome. 
Tell us a little bit of that story of what you were hoping to do and then kind of how the, how the thing went kind of sideways mm-hmm. and then what the Lord ended up doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the story starts definitely meeting you, Chris, and us talking about the generosity initiative that we were looking to take our church on. We, uh, everybody, we tried to wow and woo Chris to help us out as a church plant. So we took him to a five-star restaurant. If you guys haven't been there, it's called Chili's. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, really, really great uh, food to, to try to bribe somebody. <laughs> and uh, that was a great time. And we kind of had this vision. One, we wanted to be permanent. Um, and I know there's churches that uh, definitely thrive being mobile. Where we are in the urban context and what we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to set down a gospel roots and let people know we're here. Um, seven days out the week and do some things throughout the week that was really going to be a blessing. And so we we pursued permanence pretty e- uh, early as a church plant. Um, and we were in a storefront front that was looking to uh, expand into a, a former library in that area and really have this cool, modern looking space that was outfitted. Um, and we came to an impasse uh, with our, our landlord on what would be agreed for that remodel. Um, and it seemed as if uh, the Lord was definitely closing the door for what we had aspired to, at least uh, for permanence in the space we needed. Um, and actually, uh, out of nowhere, um, and not according to God's point of view, of course, mm. um, there was a, a permanent facility uh, of another church here in Orlando that was outgrowing their facility and moving to a bigger one. Um, and uh, they put this church up for sale. And by God's grace, because of the work we've already did in that discipleship journey and the vision, um, God rerouted us towards this facility. But because of the fruit of that generosity initiative, we were able to close on it and uh, be able to secure a church that had a phenomenal uh, body of believers already here, did a lot of work that was already needed in this building so that we can come here and, uh, and worship and, and set up uh, a, a gospel-centered ministry in the heart of our target audience. You know, it's so cool about your story, too. And Greg, we've we've seen this happen with churches before, right? Sometimes what a church needs to do, especially often a church plant who's looking potentially to get that first kind of permanent rooted location, you will sometimes you'll you'll sometimes need to start telling that story before you actually know where you're going to go. And, you know, that can be really challenging. And, and yet what you're doing, what you're helping your congregation do is get to the place where, listen, we just want to be the generous stewards that God has called us to be so that when he provides that opportunity, we can say yes. Yes. Because had you not gone through that process and you and your team did such a fantastic job, I remember your theme was, was go bold and you were just calling people to just take steps of faith and trust God. Had you all not gone bold and done that step, you might not have been able to say yes to this building that opened up. And so it, it's, a, it's a tough journey. And Greg, I'm sure you've worked with uh, tons of churches over the years that have had to take that same step, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, Cam, that goes back to your understanding of the theology of generosity and stewardship and, and, and the plan that God has for that as a part of his plan for you and what you're doing and how he's using you and, and, and to accomplish his work. I, mean, I think when you understand that, 
you can kind of lean into that like you did and, and, and make that happen. So that that's really cool. I, I would, I, I'm just curious, Cam. So what's next for Grace Alive? I mean, where five years from now, what do you, where do you see, where do you see Cam and, 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 and the Grace Alive church family? Tell me what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, this year, um, has definitely reprioritized a lot of things that were happening in the life of many churches. And uh, currently we are excited about this ministry um, and the way that it's uh, persevered uh, this pandemic. Um, I think a lot of the momentum uh, that really was pre-pandemic helped to carry us over um, into this next season of ministry. Uh, to be quite honest, um, as a church planter, I have a lot of church plant peers um, that this pandemic has uh, suffocated uh, a lot of ministry. You got to think of a of a, a demographic of churches that are mobile without permanent facilities and in, in 15 months to a year of their their facilities being taken away because of uh, conditions and clean cleaning and cleansing. And um, and even a lot of friends are at legacy churches who weren't necessarily prepared to to stream. Um, or to facilitate online giving. And so where we are now is seeing this incremental momentum return. Um, and uh, one of the things that carried over from uh, our Gold Bold discipleship journey is still being strategic and vision oriented in our ministry. So even going through this year of a pandemic, we still had things that we were working on. And um, one of the biggest uh, initiatives that we are still trying to do is we want to be a church that plants churches. And so during this pandemic, um, we were actually able to plant our first church. Uh, we were uh, a church that was planting pregnant. Um, and uh, we launched a church in uh, Leesburg here in Florida called Remnant Church. And we're hoping to establish a formalized church planting residency um, so that we can continue to multiply our presence. Uh, part of our Go Bold journey of uh, discipleship and generosity was for us to go bold for our neighbors, nations, and generations. And so one of the ways that we want to continue to reach the nations is to multiply more churches. And then secondly, uh, in reaching neighbors, we're hoping to uh, continue to intensify our initiatives for justice. Um, as God blesses us, uh, we want to be a blessing to this area. And so we're hoping to intensify um, our outreach to the homeless community here in Orlando, um, those who have been trafficked um, in, in uh, the sex uh, industry, um, and then also partner with schools and apartment complexes in our area. And so we're hoping and praying that that turns into a, a umbrella nonprofit here at the church um, that continues to launch other justice initiatives. That's awesome. Yeah, I know we have a lot of we have a lot of, uh, of course, because of the exponentials, uh, tremendous work with church planters. We have a lot of uh, planters that are are joining us right now and participating here in this uh, webinar, and maybe we'll watch it later. Mm. And I love that you just offered that tremendous advice, that sort of that model of you sort of planted a church while you were planting a church. You know mm. what I mean? It's a, and I guess it's kind of like what you were saying about if you want to be a church planting church, you got to get it in the DNA early. If you want to be a right. generous church, you got to get it in the DNA early. Yeah. If you want to be a church where that calls people to have their nose in their Bible and understand what God's word says, you got to get it in there early, right? That's an important, yeah. that's a big deal. Very much so. I mean, because uh, in the beginning stages, uh, and uh, I don't know who said this first, so uh, after you quoted a couple of times, you could say it was, it was let's just for the record, <laughs> let's just say it was Andy Stanley because right, it, was, it was, we'll go with Andy. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, when you're planting a church, you're not just making, um, 
strategy decisions, you're making philosophy decisions. Um, and you're, you're really setting up the culture of your church to saying, mm-hmm. uh, we want it to be like this. There's no tradition to blame it on. Uh, there's no angry deacon board to blame it on. You're right. telling people we're doing it because we believe that's where our heart is. And so in church planning, you're making philosophical and cultural decisions in your very fir- first few years. And so for us, uh, we wanted our budget to be a theological document. Um, we wanted our strategy to plant churches to be an emphasis of what we wanted to do. And, it, and again, uh, you know, uh, not to stretch this out too much, but it, it really goes back to generosity as well. Um, we wanted to be a church that gave. And that means giving our best. That means sending people out. That means giving finances as a church plant that is still raising funds in and of ourselves. And we just found that we can't be God giving. Whenever we send out, God always sends back in. And that's for the spiritual flourishing of the gospel. And I think you see that over and over again, that when you sacrifice for the gospel, God always increases what we give. And I think that's the danger a lot of church plants and churches that are revitalizing make is that whenever there's a scarcity mentality, we think to ourselves, we need to reserve. We need to cut back. And I'm not saying saving isn't wise. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a way of thinking uh, of having margin in case there are emergencies, but to scale back in a way that requires no risk, to scale back in a way that requires no trust, I think uh, a lot of times makes churches stagnant and uh, really stifles the excitement and momentum of your church being on mission. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I love this idea that you got to essentially you're 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 developing both philosophy and strategy mm. at the same time. That's for sure. You know, it's funny, Cam, a lot of churches, great churches, really well led churches. You could go to that church and you you wouldn't really learn what mm. the Bible says about generosity and stewardship mm. and giving. And the reason is not because the church doesn't care about that or it's a bad church. Mm-hmm. It's just because they've not really thought about this is how we plan to mm. actually disciple people in that area. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I appreciate about what you've done at Grace Alive is that you've really been thoughtful about putting that in place early. Mm. And I think I was going to say it's going to pay off, but I don't, that, that's the wrong metaphor. I just think over time, you are, dis, you are building a congregation full of people who are understanding what the Bible says mm-hmm. about generosity and stewardship, and that could create a revolution. Yeah, which, yeah. Which that's is awesome. awesome. I appreciate that encouragement. I really yeah. do, brother. I really do. Uh, Greg, any last thoughts from you or other follow-up questions or observations as we kind of wind down here? No, I, I, this, is, this is gold. Cam, such good stuff. Thank you. And I know for church planners listening in, it's encouraging. That's a, that's a hard journey. Sometimes it's a lonely journey. Sometimes it's a journey full of uh, uh, turbulence and chaos. And it's, it's, it's nice to hear that, Hey, you know, you've been on that journey and here you are. And so thank you for all the, the that you have uh, you've shared here today. I know that is pure gold to some of these guys yeah. listening. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. brother. I appreciate that. And let me just say, too, if you want to get more information about what Cam and his team are doing at Grace Alive in Orlando, it's gracealive.church. Listen, uh, one of these days, hopefully, Lord willing, soon, there's going to be a church planning residency in Orlando that you might want to participate in. And so keep an eye open for when uh, Pastor Cam and his team are able to put that into effect. If you want to consult with a pastor who has made intentional efforts to try to figure out how to not just be the best church in the neighborhood, but the best church for the neighborhood, 
which I really feel like is what you're trying to do there, Cam. I would just encourage you all to reach out to Cam. If we can help you at Elevate Group, we're happy to do that. As we said earlier, you can download that free resource that's going to be, I think, a good conversation starter for you and your team on, man, how do we get the ball rolling in, in elevating generosity and stewardship in our in our church? Whether you're a church planter or whether you've been at this a long time, we think those questions might be useful to you. Uh, I want to thank you again, Cam, for not only just taking the time to join us, because I know you got a lot of things going on, but man, it is just, it's just very encouraging and inspiring to hear what you're doing. I'm glad that you, you and I are in the same city and you're trying to reach some of my neighbors for Christ. And I'm grateful for that, bro. So thanks for all you do. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, uh, Greg. I, I'm so grateful for what you guys do to partner with local churches um, and especially church plants. Um, you know, to be quite honest, I tell people church planning is uh, like being a teenager. Um, you know, you have a lot of ambitions and no money. And uh, a lot of times uh, you need some advice and consulting in this journey to be able to think through these issues. And I appreciate you guys not willing not only to serve churches that are established and, and able to um, pursue these conversations, but church plants that may not even be thinking about it and may not even be thinking it's available. So uh, thank you guys. You bet, bro. Thanks for that. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. We'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with another installment in our Elevate Generosity and Stewardship podcast. Thanks for joining us.